This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep. Where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. This is our View of the Opposition show as I talk to someone who supports Fulham's opposition for the upcoming match. This episode, I'll be talking to David Cordell, who's a Bournemouth supporter and a member of the Facebook group North American Cherries Overseas Supporters. He's on to give us the Bournemouth perspective for this upcoming match. Before I do anything else, though, I have to welcome my guest to the show. David, welcome to College Talk. Thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be with you. Okay, well, let's get into this right from the beginning. Bournemouth has had an exceptional start to the season, so just talk to me about the beginning of Bournemouth's season here. Well, it's been it's been a good one compared to uh, the last couple of seasons where we lost the first game, and especially last season when we were struggling to get points early on. Um, we started off with uh, a number of points, and we're in, currently in sixth position. Um, so I think it's been a it's been a really you know, positive season. We we signed a few players that uh, come really straight into the squad um, and made a difference. Um, and we're you know we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But yep. I think one of the things that Eddie's beginning to do now is bring players in um, so we can continue to develop. Okay. Very good there, my friend. I want to ask you about one match because I, I've watched a bunch of highlights from most of your matches, and you could see that Bournemouth attacks in numbers. That's the one thing that, that I noticed in great detail and very dangerous when you're attacking. But the outlier, I want to ask you about this because you've had a great start to the season. What happened in the Burnley match? Because I went back and watched the highlights, and the player that stands out that really hurt Bournemouth was Aaron Lennon. So, yep. 
talk to me about that because I'm curious if that is just the exception to the rule so far. It's an interesting game because if you actually listen to what Eddie said after that game, I, I don't think really Bournemouth deserved to lose that game 4-0. Um, similarly, they probably didn't deserve to beat Watford 4-0. Um, I thought that, you know, we always, Burnley is a tough team for us. They play a very different style of football. Um, and I think, I think we just struggled. We gave up a couple of goals and then, and then we were, you know, we were trying to get back into the game and we think we gave up a couple more. So, uh, you know, that was the one bad game of the season. The other bad game of the season was last week against Saints. Um, yep. Where you know we really didn't get going. Southampton didn't play particularly well either, and it was pretty much of a snore fest. Um, the good news for Bournemouth and the bad thing for Fulham, I think, is that after Burnley we came on one 4-0 against Watford, <laughs> and hopefully after against Southampton we'll we'll get our act together and we'll give you a good game tomorrow. Oh, well, sorry, on Saturday. Well, for my sake, let's hope that doesn't happen. But I understand what you're saying there, <laughs> David. All right, let's now get into what's talking about this season compared to last season, because you started slow. Fulham obviously had started slow. I noticed, I think, at this part of the season after nine matches, you were 19th, if I remember correctly. So what has been the difference here? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, I mean, the first thing is winning. Um, <laughs> winning, winning breeds confidence. Um, I think, you know, we started off at the – I remember the first season we were in the Premier League and we played Aston Villa. It was the season the Villa went down. And, we were all over them in the first game and still lost 1-0. Um, uh, you know, we've had a little bit of the luck, um, which you always need. And as I said, I think winning breeds confidence. So if you get a few wins, um, and especially early on in the season, we've played teams that we really needed to do well against. Uh, you know, the West Ham's, uh, uh, you know, the Southampton, the Watford, the Cardiff Cities. We always like to beat Cardiff. Um <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, you didn't, right? No, um, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think if I look at the the, the 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 games that you've got to win, these are the kinds of games you you, you want to do well, you want to get off a good start. And then when you played the big six, and when we played Chelsea, we were in it. But, you know, we lost 2-0 in the end. Um, those are the kind of bonus games. If you can try and get some points off the top six teams, then... then uh, then that's always a good thing. I, what I'd like to see us do this season is be safe early, try to get into a position where we're not, you know, in the relegation zone, and then maybe go for a good cup run. It would be nice to win some silverware. Um, that would be a good season for us. Well, let me ask you this. Obviously, you're sixth. There's a long way to go. Do you have aspirations of trying to stay around sixth, seventh, and eighth? Do you think that's possible? It's definitely possible. Um you know, I think you've got the top five teams, the five, maybe the five, the top six teams. It's hard to break into that. I mean, Leicester did it a few years, a couple of years, seasons ago. Uh, realistically, they have so much more money. Um, I think it's hard for the the teams to to, to kind of compete with them. Um, it's an interesting question though, because if you ask Burnley, is coming seventh good? Yeah, except that then you're in the European League, you know, the Europa League, and then you're playing in the middle of August and is that really good for your season? I don't know. Especially when you have a small squad like Bournemouth. Um, right. I, don't, I don't think you know you want to necessarily be playing European football. It would be nice um, but uh, you know we'd also have to worry about the size of our stadium which is only you know, 11,000. Um, but yeah, I, I, yes it would be lovely to be in the top six. It would be lovely to do a Leicester and win the championship. 
Uh, realistically, I think one of the cup competitions is probably more winnable for us, and maybe the League Cup this year. Uh, we're already in the uh, in the next round, and uh, that would be a nice one to kind of to go for. You brought up something very interesting, and we're talking about where you could be because if you look at your team right now, obviously it's early in the season. It's been going great, and you know I wish you the best rest of the season, obviously, and uh, we'll see what happens. But there's something that you can't plan on, and Fulmer dealing with it right now. Could something that could derail you a little bit? Injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, our squad is a little bit better than it was. I mean, it's a little deeper. But, you know, any team that is in, not in the top five or six with a huge squad, if you get major injuries, can totally derail you. And you can only look at Huddersfield last year, who started off yep. very well and then struggled at the end. The thing about our manager is he doesn't get too high and he doesn't get too low. And I think that's the thing that right now he's keeping him very grounded. It's like, yes, it's nice to be six, but it doesn't mean we're going to stay here. We've got to take each week as it goes along, and, and, and we've got to do well each week because you go on a losing run, and you can suddenly be back in the in the bottom three. Um, so don't get too high. Don't get too low. Take each game as it comes, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, you keep winning. And as I said, I think winning breeds confidence. Totally agree with so, that. You know, um, if we can get a few more wins and, you know, if by Christmas we're, you know, or by January, early January we're, we're, we're at 40 points, that would be great. Um, you know, uh, the, the danger with actually being at 40 points at Christmas is, or just after Christmas is then you end up with a situation where, you know, what do you do the rest of the season if you're out of the cup competitions and, you know, then you get comfort, you, you, you start playing carelessly and, and, and you suddenly end up back towards the bottom again so uh in some ways actually struggling and, and being in the bottom is is, is better because you, you kind of have to take each game and try and win each game so it's a it's a it's a mixed situation sure and i hope that works out for form it's funny you say that all right let's um focus a little bit on eddie Howe. you've already been talking about him so i want to know what the difference has been with him since you arrived in the Premier League to now, you've already mentioned a little bit at the beginning, and I admire what he has done. I, re- I remember him, obviously, in the championship. And uh, if I'm looking from outside, it looks like he's had to adjust how Bournemouth play over the years. So let's talk about Eddie Howe's maturation as a manager. That's interesting because his basic philosophy hasn't changed, which is he wants to play from the back and he wants to play entertaining, attractive football. And sometimes, you know, you've got the, the so-called experts, especially in the first couple of years, saying, oh, they've got to change. They can't play against Manchester City like this because they're going to lose 5 nil and they're going to get relegated. And then he was like, look, this is the way we play. Um, and I, I think he's adapted a little bit. I think he's realized that, you know, for some games, you might have to be a little bit more defensive-oriented, but you still have to have the pace and the speed to, to counter-attack quickly. Um, but he definitely, you know, he has a go. And we're, and the thing about Bournemouth is we're never out of a game. Even you can ask Everton. We were 2-0 down a few years ago, and we come back and, you know, we, we tie at 3-3. Um, we're, never, we're never totally out of the game, and Eddie doesn't believe in the team giving up. So uh, I think the biggest difference is I think he's been very loyal to his, uh, the players who got us here. But I think he's beginning to realize that, you know, some of them are coming to the end of their natural footballing life at this level. And he's started to bring in slowly some some outside players who can take us to the next level. The biggest problem for us, I think, is the size of the stadium. 
Uh, right. It's only 12,000. There was talk about trying to build a new stadium, but that's kind of uh, stagnated right now. Um, I think the board has decided that they, they need to focus on making sure we stay in the Premier League because that's where the money is. That's the TV money. Um, and that's the focus, uh, which actually makes the cup competitions kind of hard because a lot of times Eddie will play a, very much the second team um, in the cup competitions, which is pretty, I mean, they're still good, but they're not the, the first team players. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is, you know, you win the League Cup, maybe you get $100,000, you stay in the Premier League, you're getting $20 million. Um, it's all about the money, and it's all about having to stay in the Premier League. The thing I would like to see us spend the money on, if, we, if it wasn't just the players, yep. and they've already bought the ground for it, is to build the training academy. I mean, I think right now we're... I think that's important, actually. Hopefully. Yeah, it, it, it's probably even more important than the stadium, because the stadium yeah. would be nice, but at the end of the day, if we were back in the championship or the Division One, would we fill it? The, 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 the training academy and building a first-class training academy could give us a pipeline of young players if we totally. were able to get relegated. So uh, I think that's something that I would like to see happen even more than the stadium. See, I completely agree with that. And uh, Fulham are in the process of uh, doing more things to their ground. Uh, they are actually going to be expanding what they're doing. They're going to be moving the first team to a support location uh, once it's built, and the academy will have what they have right now with the uh, first team. So they're trying to do what you're talking about, expand uh, the facilities. I think that's important, like you said. uh, Fulham's academy is excellent, and I think that becomes a, a lifeblood for your team. So I understand where you're going on that. Getting back to what you were talking about, making the uh, transition from certain players. I think that's important, David, because uh, Fulham got old very fast at the very end of their uh, time in the Premier League. And and part of that, I think, again, was the reason why they ended up going down. You have to make that transition. It sounds like Howe was in the process of changing over the team. I think you have to do that. Yeah, you do. Uh, but you have to do it carefully because he has a very, very close-knit, team with um you know a lot of uh the players who've come up through the league um you know mark Pugh um yeah. and, and some others who who were with us in in the bad old days um but i think an example is you know he uh, harry arter has gone on a season long loan to cardiff correct and i think that was good for harry because harry wants to play first team football and to be honest with you i don't think he was going to play much first team um in Bournemouth because of the people we've signed so I think, I think knowing when to let go and allowing players to continue to develop and, and stuff is, is important. Um, you know, we're, we're very fond of Harry, uh, except you know, he, uh, the good news is he can't play us, so we're happy about that. Um, but uh, but it's also it's also knowing when to bring the players in and when to bring them in slowly. So for example, uh, he's brought in David Brooks, um, who came he's a very good player by the way. Yes. Oh, I mean, if I were Sheffield United, I could tell you that. I'd, be kicking, I'd be kicking myself that they sold him. Um, he has fitted in amazing. And I think if you ask Eddie, he didn't quite expect him to fit in quite as quickly as he did. Yeah. Um, he's brought in Jefferson Loma from Colombia, um, who's also really taken over the Harry Arter role, the fighting midfield role. Um, has a little bit of a temper like Harry Arter, but not quite as bad. Um, probably because he doesn't speak as much English, so he probably doesn't get into as much trouble with, with the refs as Harry did. Um, 
Uh, he's brought in Diego Roco, who's now on the bench, but he's a good left back. Um, he'll be fighting his way back into the team. Um, so he's brought in a, a number of players um, that have added to the team. And then he's got the players who helped get us there. Um, so if you look up front, you got Callum Wilson, who's had two horrific injuries, but come back from them. Uh, Stanislas, um, yep. Joshua King, very, very fast players. We've got Jermaine Defoe on, on the uh, on the on the bench, who can still score amazing goals. I was in uh, Crystal Palace last year, where he scored an absolute cracking goal. Um, and he's a you know, he's coming to the end of his career, but he can still score, and he's a great sure. player to have on the bench. Absolutely. Um, and you know, we're kind of getting into to some of the key players, but uh, you know, Bergovic, who I think is a is an amazing goalkeeper. Um, is, is fantastic. And then uh, the two players that I'd like to kind of like single, single out, uh, Nathan Ake, who has been an absolute revela- uh, revelation since he came. He came to us from Chelsea on loan originally. Chelsea called him back. We signed him the next season. And now, you know, Tottenham and Manchester United are talking about signing him. Um, they're talking about offers of $40 million. I, I think you got to at least double that um, for us to let him go. But he's a, an amazing uh, def- He actually prefers to play midfield, but in defense, he's been fantastic. And then the other player that I would mention is Ryan Fraser. And I, a lot of how the game goes on Saturday will depend on, A, is Ryan Fraser playing, and B, how he plays. When he plays okay. well, we win big. When he struggles, we often struggle. Um, oh, but he has been a, a revelation for, for us. Okay. So I was going to ask you about key players. So it sounds like you would put Frazier in that category. And that's interesting because that could be a a major part of uh, what happens in this match because the way I'm looking at it, and I know how Fulham work, it really does come down to the midfield. And if Fulham can uh, dominate the midfield, and and I know Frazier's role is obviously different along with Brooks, but if they can dominate the uh, central midfield, this is, you're talking out wide. I could see how he could be a, a danger to fall him here. So, well, yeah, I think you could be, in the, and the other thing is you got you know people like Jeff, Jefferson Lerma in the yep. center of midfield, who is the the bull gather, you know, the, the right. hard worker. Um, but to be fair to Fraser and Brooks, they both improved their defensive game too, and they, and they come back in defense. So, yeah, I think the midfield will be key, and then the other thing will be our, how our strikers play. Um, you know, and then of course. You know, if I had to say one thing that we do sometimes, and I think Fulham does this, is give away silly goals, and that's the <laughs> thing we can't afford to do. We've given away too many of those, David. I, I could give you probably about 20 that have been silly goals. That's all I'm going to say on that. There have been way too many. <laughs> all right, my friend, let's move on, and let's get further into our preview. We're talking about key players. Now let's go to strengths and weaknesses of Bournemouth, and like I do mostly on – this view of the opposition show, I go through the strengths and weaknesses that whoscore.com says and see if they match up with what you know about your team. So let me go there right now and let's see what it has to say. This site has to say about Bournemouth and let me get there right here. And they've got a huge amount of strengths. Let's see if, if this matches up to you. This is what whoscore.com says about Bournemouth. Strong, finishing scoring chances, attacking set pieces, counterattacks, coming back from losing positions, creating scoring chances, defending set pieces, all listed as strengths. Do you agree with that? And if there's anything else you want to add to that, please feel free to. Well, the, 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 it's interesting about defense from from set pieces. That's improved this season. Um, okay. And a lot of that is due, due, I think, Simon Francis has gone better. Nathan Ackage really helped out. Steve Kirk, 
I mean, that's definitely an area that we've improved on. Um, I'd say the attacking style, the counter attack, playing from the back um, yep. is something that we like to do. Sometimes when we play from the back, there, if you press us too quickly, too much, we'll, we'll make silly mistakes. Um, and that, again, for really good teams, that's where I think we get into trouble. Sometimes when we always play from the back, sometimes I wish Dergovic would just kick the ball upfield. <laughs> sometimes he, he, he's, you know, he's trying to get the ball out yep. to, the, to the defense to take it forward. And that's where sometimes I think we make mistakes. But yeah, I think that's a pretty good analysis of our strength. What's funny about that, you're talking about playing from out the back and uh, Fulham want to do the same thing and we get ourselves in trouble. That's why I was kind of chuckling when you said that. The history of Fulham having issues, giving up mistakes happens, uh, has, has happened in the championship. It's happening again now. So that's why I was yeah. uh, reacting that way, my friend. All right, <laughs> let's move to uh, Bournemouth's weaknesses, according to whoscored.com. Weak defending counterattacks, defending against through ball attacks, avoiding individual errors. And then it says very weak, defending against long shots. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think that's actually an interesting analysis because you know, we struggle against the teams like Burnley, right? Yep. We, we struggle against the teams that, that don't play the same way that we do. Um, and, yeah, we can give up goals that way. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, at the end of the day, you just got to try and minimize those errors and, yep. and focus on your strengths. And, uh, you know, Eddie, Eddie, the one thing about Eddie as a manager, he, he's very hands-on. He's always looking for the players to improve. They use a lot of video analysis. So they're always trying to get the players to be more aware of what they're doing and, you know, to, to learn from the mistakes. And that's all you can really hope for. Okay, excellent. This is the style that whoscored.com says about Bournemouth, one last thing. Attempt through balls often, attacking down the right. Opponents play aggressively against them. It says Bournemouth is non-aggressive, consistent first 11, playing in their own half. Do you agree with that assessment of your style of play? Say that again, the last part. Sure, playing in their own half. Meaning that they're not, they're, they're not good or they are? Or they... No, meaning that I think, it, I think it's talking about like you're saying, playing the ball off from the back and then working your way yeah. in. I think that's what that means. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting, it's definitely part of the style. I mean, Eddie, Eddie firmly believes he doesn't want to play the old style English footballer, which I saw when I was growing up, of you yep. know, the defender booting the ball up and they had big central <laughs> forward running after it and, you know, a very physical Steve Fletcher type of player. He wants to play creative attacking football, and uh, uh, you know he has a set mind on that, and that's that's the way. And to be honest with you, would you rather watch Bournemouth or Burnley? I'd rather watch Bournemouth. Oh, I would much rather watch Bournemouth. You couldn't give me enough money to watch Burnley. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, that's the uh, that's the difference. And I, <laughs> the, yeah, I'd, I'd rather watch Bournemouth any day than Cardiff than, is the worst, though, better. David. Honestly. <laughs> And then them watching the the crap that I watched when I was when I was younger. <laughs> okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's move on. I have a quick stats comparison. These are offensive stats between the two teams, where they are in the league in several categories. I want your thoughts on it because I think it's going to lead up to me asking you about Fulham. So here's the stats comparison again from WhoScored.com. Let's start with goals where both teams are in the league. Fulham are eleventh with eleven. Bournemouth are tied. Fourth with 16. Shots yeah. per game. Fulham are tied at seventh with 13.3. And Bournemouth are 
12th with 12th possession. Fulham are 7th in the league at 52.3. Bournemouth are 11th at 49.6. Passing percentage. Fulham are 7th in the league at 82%. And Bournemouth are tied at 12th with 78.1%. Crosses per game. Fulham are tied at 18th with 15. And Bournemouth are tied at 16th with 16. So very similar there. Long balls. Fulham are 8th at 66 per game, and Bournemouth are 18th at 52 per game. Short passes. Fulham are 7th in the league at 440 per game, and Bournemouth are 11th at 368 per game. Okay, those are some offensive stats. What are your thoughts about this little stats comparison I've given you of the the two teams? I think it shows that they're pretty even, actually, um, in in a lot of the stats. Bournemouth, I'm a little surprised at some of them. I thought they'd be a little better than, you know, like the short passing and stuff. Yep. <clears throat> That's probably because we ended up playing Burnley and we had to go to the long ball. Um, <laughs> as you can tell, I just love Burnley. Yeah, I uh, can tell. Lovely place. Middle I can of the tell. Country. Yeah. Um, no, you know, uh, stats are important, but at the end of the day, it's how you play on any given day. Totally agree. Um, and how you match up on the team. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not too... Too worried about that. I think we'll. I think we'll be okay against Fulham. Um, you know, I think probably some of those bad stats come from the from the game against Burnley, um, and then probably against Chelsea, where we really sure. didn't have a lot of the ball. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, now I want to get your thoughts of Fulham headed into this match. Obviously, Fulham are struggling at 18th. What do you make of their season so far in the Premier League? You know, I think I think they've been they've found it tough. Um, and I'm sure the pressure on the manager will begin to grow if they don't start winning. Um, the one difference, I think, between Bournemouth and a lot of the other teams is, you know, we could be bottom and Eddie would still be manager and there wouldn't be any talk about replacing him. When we were struggling last year, there was no talk about, oh, we've got to get rid of the manager. We've got to bring Sam Allardyce. Um, there's none of that. So I think, I think the pressure on the manager will begin to grow if they don't start getting results. Um, and, you know, I think last week for you, losing to Cardiff was a tough one. Yes, it was. Um, because at the end of the day, those are the teams you've got to really at least not lose to. Um, and then, you know, I think that's, uh, that, that's the important thing. I mean, Fulham is a great place. I mean, we, I, I was there in 1987 when Fulham got promoted to the old Division 2, which is now the championship for the first time. And I love the stadium. I, you know, what, what a great location. By yeah, the river. it's fantastic. Um, and the fans are really good, and they, they really support the team. Um, I remember when they won the FA Cup back in the 70s when Bobby Moore was the captain. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a great, it's, a great, it's a great heritage that they've got there. Um, I think they're going to be okay. I think they're the worst teams in the league with Fulham. So I. I think you just need to get a. <laughs> I think you need to get a few wins. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I think Cardiff will go down. I, I think Cardiff were terrible, uh, apart from the your game. Um, I, I think Huddersfield are going to struggle this year. Um, I think Southampton are really going to struggle, and I'd be nothing happier than seeing Southampton go back down <laughs> to the championship. That doesn't shock me, David. And um, my thoughts on Fulham. It's funny you talk about the manager. Just did a show last night called The State of Fulham where we talked about the manager and the pressure that he is under because of that Cardiff City loss. And it's funny because Shai Khan, the owner of Fulham Football Club, they released his program notes for the match 
against your club, Bournemouth, on Saturday, and he basically was back in the manager there. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the actual program notes in front of me, but he was rubbishing the reports in the media that he has, okay. say, two matches to go. And and uh, I uh, personally, I see him similar to your manager, Eddie Howe, that the uh, ownership here will stick by him. You know, and I've already said that I want them, regardless of what happens, even if they got relegated, I want I would want them to do what uh, Burnley did, you know, with uh, with Deitch. You know, you stick with right. the guy, and uh, and because I think uh, Savisa is the right guy for Fulham. But I understand what you're saying. Even right now, he's under some pressure. Well, the interesting thing about it is that you know, if you get relegated, it's not the end of the world now, right? No, it's you, not. I, I don't think get, it is get, either, get, but. You, you get you get the parachute money and and you can you know you can come back. The problem is if you get relegated is whether the owner like they did in Blackpool takes the money out of the club. Right, that's the problem. The club with crap. That's that's what you've got to fear if yep. you get relegated. Um, you know, it's an interesting situation. I I, I don't think Fulham's going to be relegated. I, I, do I really think I think you guys will be all right in the end. Um, and you know, I'm hoping that the you know, the Marcuses of this world, they're the ones who get relegated. Oh, because... Trust me, I'm right there with you. Can I just say I'm right there <laughs> with you when it comes to Marcuse? I got my feelings on Marcuse. Like, <laughs> we could do a whole show talking about Marcuse, seriously. But <laughs> I do want to mention this because, again, you know, I did just say that, you know, it's not a big deal. Well, obviously, I don't want Fulham to be relegated, but I think that they could actually rebound somewhere to how Burnley did. It's, I think, a little bit different now. Would it hurt to get Relegated? Absolutely. I don't want it to happen, and I don't see it happening. I do think that things are a little bit different now, like you said, with the parachute payments. I think Fulham would be in better shape now, and they do have assets, and I don't want to think about that, but if it was to happen, I think they would be able to rebound. That's my thought. You need to have a solid owner who is going to back the club. That's that's important. And he does. I think think the sad part with, with soccer now, is the FA Cup has become much less important, and and the, the League Cup even less so, yep. even more so. And I think part of the reason is the money. You know, and I, I've actually talked to people in Bournemouth who are on the board, and I get the feeling that because the pressure is to stay on in the Premier League, that the cups will always be secondary. And the fans want to do something; they want to win the cup, right? I mean, the FA, I was growing up, the FA Cup was a huge thing. Right. But the the difference between winning the cup and winning staying in the you, you don't want to be a Wigan where you win the cup and get yeah. relegated. No, you don't. And I could just tell you from uh, people that I've talked to with Fulham, I'm talking about the fans. The fans want a cup run. They're desperate for a cup huh. run. Absolutely right. desperate. It happens every single year. They want a cup run, and I want a cup run for Fulham too. But right. like you, you mentioned, it's the money that's what's driving everything, and the Premier League right. has the money, and that's you know. And the Premier League has the money, and you've got to focus on that. Yeah, so, you do. Yeah, I mean, I think if you get if you get to the quarterfinals and semifinals, and you're safe, then maybe you put in some more of your players, and sure. you know your first team players. But until then, the cup is always going to be second, and I don't know what the answer is unless you make more money for the cup and you you find a re, you know a way to do it. But I don't right. know. It's, I think it's a shame, especially on the FA Cup, because when I was going out. The FA Cup was really was almost as important as the league. Right. And I understand that. And that's why, you know, it's funny because I would love to see Fulham have a cup run. And I know it's different, but the Europa League is something very special to me. And right. I would love to see an FA Cup run for Fulham. I'd love to see them go back to Wembley. I was at the uh, final, the championship final, which was 
something I will never forget, David, and I would love to make a trip from here to go back there for, say, an FA Cup semifinal or final. I would go. Maybe a Fulham Bournemouth FA Cup final this year. I'll take that, my friend. I'll take that. All right, let's move on. Let's get more into this. And I haven't asked you yet because, again, I asked you your thoughts on Fulham. What players concern you on Fulham for this match? Yeah, that's a difficult one. I, I really, I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched them that much this okay. season. Um, you know, we, there is a player who isn't with Fulham now. He's playing for Hips, called Emerson Hyman, who's <laughs> working your youth system. Yes. Um, we really like Emerson. Uh, the North American Cherries uh, sponsored him for his first season when we, uh, you know, as he was yeah. the first American, actually the second American to play for Bournemouth. The first American was a guy by the name of Brent Goulet, who nobody ever has heard of. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Emerson is up in the hips, doing quite well. And That's good to hear. You know, the, problem, the problem is, we should, I think he, he struggled a little bit because he got injured the first year that he signed with us. Yep. And then he just wasn't able to get into the team. Yeah. Uh, he went up to Rangers, became their young player of the year. I remember. Um, it is interesting that you know whether he would kick himself now because he probably will be playing. Well, you and I were talking about this off air yeah. that I think he might be, you know, because right. he, he could have been part of this Fulham team, I think, in some yeah. role. And he's still very young. And, but, you know, I understand at the time, you know, you're thinking Premier League, a Premier League team's coming in for you. And you take a shot on yourself. And that's what he did. And, well, this is the situation he's under. But in all seriousness, I wish uh, Emerson Hyman the best. I'm kind of glad that you brought him up because it's a player that I've always been following and i i know where he is now and i do honestly wish him the best uh, he's, right, a, he's, a, he's a really nice guy too and he, yeah. he you know I, I think i was joking with him when i met him a couple of years ago and i was joking i thought you know i have a dream of seeing you score a winning cup goal for bournemouth in the cup final and the united states in the world cup final well none of those are likely to happen right now but you never know <laughs> no all right my friend let's go to my prediction section We'll end with your prediction, and I'll share mine as well because this acts as our preview for this upcoming match. So first I'm going to put you in the shoes of Eddie Howe. What does Bournemouth need to do to win this match? So what does Bournemouth need to do? Avoid silly mistakes, score early, score often, uh, put Fulham out of the game early so the, the crowd is out of it, um, and not give up, not give up stupid goals. Um, and if they do that, I think it's going to be a good result for us. Okay. Now I'm going to do something that every single time I do this show, everyone seems to cringe. I'm talking about my guest. I'm going to put you in the shoes of Slavisi Okanovic. How does Fulham beat your team, Bournemouth? Press, press them. Make them, in, make them give up mistakes. Score early. Score again. Score again. <laughs> and and don't, I don't believe that you're ever going to have enough goals because we're going to come back. Okay. Listen, no, you sound like a team that, that never gives up, right? Would that be a good yeah. way to look at at Bournemouth? You're, you're always right. going to be in it. Right. So even if we were 3-0 down with 17 minutes played, I would still be worried if I was okay. the opposition. I'm worried to any match, David, if I'm being completely honest with you. I never relax. That's, that's a problem I have. The one thing I want to mention to you as we're talking about this match, I want your thoughts, and I don't know if you've had a chance to watch this player that much, but Alexander Mitrovic has been a handful. Now, recently, he hasn't scored many goals, but he's extremely influential. If you're asking me in this match, he's a key player. And I'm curious your thoughts on your center backs. Do you think they can handle someone like Mitrovic who can hold up the ball, get his teammates involved, and also score himself? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, our I, 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 defense has really improved this year. I mean, the, the, the one weakness that I see is Simon Florence is a little bit. I, I still think he's getting to the point where he's kind of on the verge of not being in the team. Um, but he, overall, he, you know, he still, he still earned his place. Um, I think our centre backs are fine. Um, I think, you know, Ake in particular is is amazing. Adam Smith uh, has been fantastic. In fact, we have Rico on the, on the bench, so I'm not worried about that. Okay. Uh, I am worried about giving up stupid mistakes and, sure. and giving the ball away, and and that that's the fear that I the one fear I have. Okay. Very good. All right, it's time for your prediction, then I'll share mine. What's your prediction for this match? Well, as I said the year before, we played badly against Burnley and lost 4-0. We came back the week after, and we beat Watford 4-0. Okay. We didn't play very well against Southampton, but I'm going to go for a 5-0 score. Whoa, okay. Wow, you're going Sorry. for a drubbing. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going I think... I think we're going to take it to you. I think we, we really okay. played badly against Southampton, and Eddie has a way of getting them back in shape the following game. Okay. All right. My prediction, it's kind of tough because I don't know the uh, situation with this one player. If I knew this player was playing, I would be even more confident, and that's Tom Kearney, who's coming back from an injury. I think Fulham have missed him desperately because I think he unlocks everything in central midfield. If he plays or plays a role, I think Fulham have a very good chance of winning. So you're going for a five-nil drubbing of Fulham. I'm going for a three-to-one to Fulham. I'm, I'm going to go the exact opposite here. Fulham are due because Fulham can score goals. I think this is going to be an open game. I think it's not going to be close either way. So I think a draw is not in the cards, my friend. Either you're going to win big or I think Fulham are going to win by a couple goals. So I'm going three-to-one to Fulham. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, I, was, I was going to say, I was at the game when Ted Medusa scored nine games against goals against Margate, and we won 11 nil. and the scoreboard <laughs> wouldn't even go up to 11. It had to stop at zero. So, I mean, you should, ha- you should hope that we don't have one of those games. No, no. And <laughs> I'll, I'll just say this to anyone that's a neutral. I think this is going to be a, a match for the neutral because I think, like you said, I think they're going to be goals former leaking goals, and uh, but I think that they – you know, obviously they have the ability to score goals, especially at Craven Cottage. So I expect them to score goals. I don't see you uh, having a clean sheet. I know that's what you're predicting. I, I, I just I doubt that strongly. I can see why you're picking a victory, but I, I disagree with the amount. But we'll see. We'll see who's right there, my friend. Before we uh, go, just tell everyone a little bit about your uh, Facebook group and a little bit about um, your history of uh, supporting Bournemouth, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay, well, I, I started off supporting them back in 1970. Uh, and I actually remember my first game, we lost 1-0 to Mansfield, and we ended up being relegated in the old Division 3 to the Division 4 for the first time, and on goal average. Yeah, look that one up, goal average. That was in the days before goal difference. Wow. Um, and then I supported them through thick and thin, mainly thin, through the, uh, uh, the 70s, and I came to the, uh, the United States in 1988. Still supported them, even though we were having, you know, lots of financial issues. Took my daughter to some games when I uh, visited. Um, so when Bournemouth got promoted to the Premier League, you know, most people had not heard of Bournemouth. You know, where's that? Um, and so we ended up um, uh, setting up a. Well, there were a few fans who had, like me, grown up in Bournemouth area, yep. and then there's a lot of people who kind of fell in love with Eddie Howe and the story. 
Um, and so we decided to set up a Facebook page and we, we did it nationally because, and with Canada, because there's lots of fans, but they're all over the place. We don't really have right. like a solid group in one particular thing. So we called it North American Cherries Overseas or Nachos because Americans like to eat nachos. <laughs> um, we sponsored uh, Amazon Heinemann the first season. He was in yep, the Premier League, which was kind of nice. Um, and we kind of chat on Facebook and watch games and kind of come in. Uh, we're working a little bit with a club. Uh, we've done, the club now has an international newsletter. And they've also been very good. I mean, it's very hard to get home tickets. But they've just recently um, done something where if you're an international supporter now, they, they try to help you out. Um, and that, that's been good for us and, and good for Natchez. Okay. Um, so overall, we're, we're growing. We're, people love the Bournemouth story. It's a great place to live by the seaside. <laughs> Would you rather live there than Watford? I don't know. I'd rather live in the seaside. <laughs> uh, who wants to live in Watford? I mean, where is Watford? Um, and yeah, at least Fulham is by the river. You know, at least it's a nice yeah, place. But Watford, beautiful. who wants to live in Watford? Um, <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get hundreds of Watford fans there. Going, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but yeah. But, but generally speaking, we you know we 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 increasing the former story. We're we're kind of yep. helping to promote the team. They came over and visited in uh, in Philadelphia uh, a couple of seasons ago, and so we met we met some fans up there. And yep. overall, we're just trying to spread the word and uh, you know uh, and show that there is a presence for anybody but the big six. Okay, well I'm there with you, and uh, I just want to say to you and everyone in your group, best of luck on Saturday. Let's hope we see an entertaining match, and we'll see who wins. Or I don't think it's going to be a draw. Maybe it'll be a draw. So let's see what happens. But all the let's best. Hope it's not, let's hope it's not a zero-zero draw, right? I don't think it's going to be that, honestly, with these two I don't think. I don't think either. We, we don't, neither of us are managed by Mark Hughes. No. And, uh, again, I could do another show with you about him. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's wrap this up, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. For my I guest, David Cordell, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.